Thanks, Luke. Thank you very much. Uh, am I on? Am I on? Am I coming through? Just about great. Um, well, as Luke mentioned, my name's Rich. Um, a very warm welcome to Rev, um, if I've not met you before. Um, but, yeah, it's great to have you. Um, I'm going to be preaching from um, the book of Song of Songs um, today. Uh, so we're working through a series um, in this book, and it's going to take us right up to July. Um, so we're spending a long time in what is essentially quite a short book, only eight chapters. Um, but it's so, it's so rich. Um, and we're kind of four weeks in um, at the moment. Um, and the passage is going to come up behind me um, in just a second. But I just want to... Um, just before I get kind of too too into it, I just want to um, just kind of I just felt God prompt me um, earlier, uh, just while we were worshiping, um, that I just felt Him God say that you you can't rush love, um, and th- and that's what you notice throughout this book. Um, you can't rush love. You can't you can't try and drum it up. You can't try and manufacture it. You can't try and, you, you, you know, you can't kind of get over the top with it. You, can't, you just can't rush love. And then Jackie brought that beautiful picture of that open heart surgery. And, and you can't rush open heart surgery. If God's doing a work in your heart, you can't rush it. And, well, if you've ever had surgery, you know you don't want them to rush it, right? Because as soon as they rush it and they make a mistake, that's probably the worst case. You'd rather they spent half an hour, an hour longer to make sure they did it right, to make sure that it was good, to make sure that it was, it, it was right. And, and, and I just really feel like God would just say, um, I really feel like God would say to me today, don't rush this. Don't rush these few verses. We've only got seven verses, but just for God's sake, don't rush it. Um, and, and I think it's important because I think there's so much to be drawn out of um, just these few verses here. Um, but I just really feel like... So I've got a sermon. Um, I've got three hours if we're not going to rush it. Um, but we're going to get as far as we get. Um, is that okay? Um, we might not get right to the end, um, but I trust that just as we open up this, these, these seven verses, God's just going to speak to us beautifully and wonderfully, and he's going to continue that work of open heart surgery. Because wherever we are on that journey, this, this entire book is a call to intimacy. This entire book is drawing us into the intimate places with God, into that intimate places. We see the picture of the bride and groom being drawn into um, just that that. that proximity, that closeness, where eventually they're kind of knit together as one flesh, as the Bible calls it. Um, But I'm going to pray, and then we're going to jump in. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just ask that you would, Lord, you would help me um, this morning. Lord, I pray that you would uh, really help me be open um, to all that you have to say. Lord, I pray, give me a soft heart. Um, Lord, that would just be sensitive to your leading, um, to your guiding. Um, and Lord, I pray that as we open up these, 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 these are essentially just a few words on a page. Lord, I pray that you would use them powerfully. Um, Lord, this is your word. And Lord, we want to revere your word. Lord, we want to submit to your word. We want to honor your word. Lord, we just want to hold it up and just say, Lord, you've, you've spoken this for us to live by. And so, Lord, we don't want to be flippant with it. Lord, this is your word given to us. And so, Lord, would your word accomplish all that it's set out to do? 
Lord, we trust that by your Holy Spirit, you are performing open heart surgery in each one of our hearts. Lord, wherever we are on that journey, Lord, perhaps we've not made that commitment yet. Um, But Lord, come and work in our hearts. Um, Lord, perhaps we've been a Christian for years. Lord, draw us nearer. Draw us closer into that intimate place with you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 And so... Um, we've been looking um, at this uh, book, The Song of Songs. It's essentially um, kind of, it, it, in, its, in its most literal terms, it's the story between um, a bridegroom and her, his bride, um, and the, essentially the, the marriage, if you like, the whole process of that marriage. There's eight chapters of it, um, where these two become increasingly um, more and more intertwined, closer in intimacy, closer in union together throughout the book. Um, And we see that. But on another level, um, we read elsewhere in Scripture um, that that, that Christ is the bridegroom. And and we, the church, are his bride. And so actually, this book, we can hit it on two levels, if you like. It's a very literal um, reading of this, if, of this uh, experience between two lovers. Um, but at the same time, it, it's what we call an allegory. It's a story of Christ and the church, the church of which we are members um, if we have uh, put our faith and our trust in Jesus. Um, and so we're going to read, if you have a Bible, turn to it. It's going to be, uh, there you go, um, in... Um, Song of Songs, uh, chapter 2, um, starting at verse 1, and we're going to read through um, to verse 7. Um, you'll notice on the slides that I've just uh, itemized he and she, um, where biblical scholars, far cleverer than I, um, have tried to articulate who at which point in the story is speaking. It's not in the original, so we can't take it necessarily as, as being said. But in this passage, it seems to make sense, um, and for... Um, reading of this it it seems to make sense and it seems to be helpful in terms of indicating that so i've just indicated that on the slide Um, but let's jump in then um so song of songs uh, chapter two um verse one um so this is the bride she says i am a rose of sharon a lily of the valleys he responds a lily among brambles so is my love among the young women As an apple tree among the trees of the forest, so is my beloved among the young men. With great delight, I sat in his shadow, and his fruit was sweet to my taste. He brought me to the banqueting house, and his banner over me was love. Sustain me with raisins, refresh me with apples, for I am sick with love. His left hand is under my head, and his right hand embraces me. I adjure you, O daughters of Jerusalem, by the girls... The gazelles or the does of the field that you do that you not stir up or awaken love um, until it pleases. And so on, 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 on face value, it's, it's quite, a, it's quite um, an obvious story, what's going on um, here. We have these first couple of verses where they kind of almost play off one another, where she says, um, I'm, I'm a rose of Sharon, a lily of the valleys. Um, and his response to her is, a lily among brambles. You're not just a lily. You're not just um, just some quaint little pretty flower. But you are 
in the contrast of with brambles, you are this beautiful thing that just stands out, that stands proud. And that's what he says of her. And you might imagine she perhaps being slightly bashful of this and then responds as an apple tree among the trees of the forest. You're not just another tree in the forest. You're an apple tree, an apple tree that produces fruit, an apple tree that sustains, that provides nutrients, that's, that's inviting to the taste. And you, if you've ever been out for, I can remember um, going for long walks with my dad and we'd always get lost and we'd end up in the middle of a forest and you'd be like what are we going to do uh, we're completely stuck so you can imagine in that sort of scenario and all of a sudden you see this apple tree in the clearing something that's inviting something that offers sustenance something that offers um food uh, it's incredible that you see this kind of contra- they play off these contrasts as they're kind of um just kind of joking around with one another um and then uh, it moves on doesn't it um, with great delight, I sat in his shadow, and his fruit was sweet to my taste. And so she, she enters in. And this, this sermon, if you like, is an invitation into that rest. Um, it's an invitation into his rest. He brought me to his banqueting house, and his banner over me was love. Sustain me with raisins, refresh me with apples. She's brought into this place of, 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 of nutrition. She's brought into this place of intimacy. She's brought into um, this close place with um, the bridegroom. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because if, 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 any, if you've known uh, what it is to put your trust in Jesus Christ, uh, there was probably a point in your journey where actually you, 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 you made that decision that you were going to put your trust in him and it was going to cost you everything. And actually you put your confidence in him knowing the consequences, knowing what it would mean. And actually we see a very similar thing here because he, if you like, as we put our trust in him, he is that apple tree in the midst of the forest. He's the thing that stands out. He's the thing that's distinct. How many of you know that we can give ourselves to other things? We, we can find other trees, if you like. We can find other things to, to fill our time with, give our attention to. But he is the, the apple tree. He's the, the giver of life. He's the one um, that sustains us. Um, and if you've ever known what it is to do that, then you'll know that actually in that moment, nothing else matters. There's nothing else. There's no other um, distractions. Verse 4, he brought me to the banqueting house and his banner over me was love. It's funny, when I've often read this verse, I've thought of banqueting house as more like a wedding feast, um, thinking that's what it was, because obviously this is a, this is a picture of a marriage union, of a wedding um, between lovers. Um, but the word for banqueting or banquet house um, here actually is elsewhere is translated wine. This is the only time it's referred to as the banqueting house um elsewhere it's more if you like translated like wine house um which actually speaks less of having hundreds of people in a room um gathering to celebrate a marriage feast actually it speaks more of if you've ever been to one of those vineyards kind of like a wine cellar where they're kind of hidden away where they're kind of taken actually almost out of sight of people um, and they're hidden away in this most intimate place and they're drawn together um, as lovers um, into this quiet place, um, this banqueting house. But to be honest, either way, really, whether it is in the context of the whole marriage ceremony, which it might be, or whether it is in that secluded intimate place with just the two of them, it seems that she only has eyes for him. 
There may well be hundreds of people there, but it's irrelevant. There may well be lots of noise, lots of music, lots of dancing, but it's irrelevant because she's only got eyes for him. He brought me into his banqueting house and his banner over me was love. She's completely, uh, she's lovesick. She is literally lovesick. She says um, in verse, uh, da, 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 well, uh, at the end of verse five, for I am sick with love. She actually says, she uses that word, she's lovesick. We often use that, um, of that term. And it, from that place of being completely captivated and besotted with him, she knows that she's, she, she can't do anything, this bride. She can't do anything. And that's why she then says to him, uh, she says, sustain me, sustain me with raisins, refresh me with apples. She's just kind of, she's almost locked in this trance where she's focused on the bridegroom and she can't, she can't do anything. She says, you sustain me. You refresh me with apples. Oh, those apples from the apple tree, come, revive me, refresh me. Um, just give me that nutrients, that nutrition, that sustenance. And that's often, that's often, that's often what it's like. Um, often, if, if, you've, if you've ever fallen in love with somebody, often it is incredibly distracting. Um, it can begin to distract um, every area that you would find yourself. I can remember, um, I know Tanika's not here today, um, but when Tanika and I, before we began a relationship, for about a week or so, um, I, I, was fig- I was trying to work out what I should do, um, as all guys do, not really having a clue, but trying to make the most of uh, my, 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 well, myself, despite myself. Um, but essentially, I couldn't sleep. Um, I didn't. I wasn't really eating, um, and just completely, just completely distracted by everything else because I knew that it was a big decision that was going to have serious consequence consequences. Serious, um, if you like, it was going to lead to something massive, right? Consequences isn't the right word. Uh, <laughs> she's not here, but nobody tell. Uh, <laughs> but I knew that that decision or that conversation may well affect the rest of my life. And set me on a different trajectory to if I hadn't. And it just, that decision, that, co- that conversation in my mind just became all-consuming. Um, and that's what we see here. She's brought, this bride is brought into this intimate place with her bridegroom. And it's just all-consuming. It's just taken everything. And she can't eat. She says, sustain me, because I, I can't, I can't. Sustain me. Um, refresh me, because um, I'm sick with love. And it's funny, isn't it? Because even, even when we think about um, the gospel and we think about the good news of Jesus, when he draws us to himself, when, 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 we, when we see him for who he is, the one who lived the perfect life on the cross, the one who died the perfect death for the sin that, that we should have paid, the Bible says that the wages of our sin is death. When we see that act of love, when we see that act of kindness, actually, it just kind of draws us into closer intimacy with him, closer proximity. We realize we don't bring anything to the table. We can't do it by ourselves. We realize, actually, whatever I've tried, I am woefully inadequate. I just haven't got what it takes. I haven't got what it takes. And just like this bride, we are completely undone in his presence. We're just completely undone. And we realize that the that Jesus' death on the cross for us actually changes everything. 
It transforms everything. It is like open heart surgery. In fact, the Bible calls it that. The Bible says that you had a heart of stone and it's been replaced with a heart of flesh. That when you put your trust in Jesus for the first time, that heart of stone is removed. And you're given a heart of flesh. A heart that is soft. A heart that is open. A heart that is malleable. That, that, is, that, is, that is soft to the Lord. You're given a heart of flesh. It goes on. Verse 6. His left hand is under my head. Seemingly, she, she, she almost can't stand. <laughs> um, okay, it wasn't quite like that with Tanika. Um, but she almost can't stand, right? And, he, and it's almost like he, he grabs her in this warmth, warm embrace. His left hand is under my head and his right hand embraces me. It's such a deep, intimate picture. And uh, what we notice is she's not, she's not, she's not scared or intimidated, or nervous, or anything. She's just completely undone in his presence. And I think there's a really profound point to make here, um, that where we see Christ and the church, that, that image is played out throughout the New Testament as husband and wife. And, and husbands, I would just say this, husbands in the room, God calls you, as a part of your husbanding, as a part of your role as a husband, by his God-given design to create a place of safety, to create a place of security, to create a place where your spouse can be drawn into and feel loved, can feel accepted, can feel um, completely undone in your presence. Now, I'm not saying it's going to always be like that, right? We've got two kids and I haven't slept at all last night um, and so there are moments but actually what I want is I want to characterize that as a husband and I think often we don't talk very much about husband and wife roles on a Sunday but husbands I just want you to hear this that as part of your God-given role you create a place of security you create a place of safety you create an environment where, where your spouse can step into all that God's called her to be. And actually, that, that's part of who you are. That's part of who God's made you. And you shouldn't shy away from that. And it might be that you say, well, you know, I'm not really that sensitive. I'm not really in touch with my emotions. You know, and do you know what? It doesn't matter. It's your God-given role. God's made you for that. If you're a husband, God's made you for that. Now, maybe it's that you're not called to be a husband or a wife. Perhaps you're not called to marriage. But you can still find that intimacy with Jesus. You can still find that security, that identity-defining relationship in him. You can step into all that you are called to be, just like this, this, this bride is completely undone in his presence. She says, you, you've got me. I can't even stand. You've got to carry me through this. We can lean on him. We can trust him to sustain us. We can look to him to refresh us. We can look to him to, to, to feed us with those uh, nutritious uh, raisins and apples. Um, maybe it's not raisins and apples for you, but we can look for, to him to sustain us with those things that bring life um, 
and keep us moving. You see, this whole passage is an invitation. This whole passage is an invitation for us to become increasingly more intimate with Christ as the church, for us to step into fresh intimacy, for us to step away from the clouds, not be fixated with other things, to not be looking at the crowds and listening to the band and worried about the food and sorting this and sorting that. Our gaze is to be fixed on him. And it's an invitation to come away with him, to be with him. We get that elsewhere in the book, and I'm sure we'll go into it in lots more detail um, later on in the coming uh, weeks and things. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because right at the end, uh, from verse 6, his left hand is under my head and his right hand embraces me. From this kind of really warmth, intimate embrace, the, the, the bride then says uh, in verse 7, I adjure you, O daughters of Jerusalem, by the girls, gazelles or the does of the field, that you not stir up or awaken love until it pleases and this is, uh, if you were here a few weeks ago for um, Clive's sermon, um, Clive really articulated this so well. Um, this is, if you like, the wisdom that this bride is passing on, uh, if you like, to the daughters of Jerusalem. Um, those uh, that would be single women waiting um, for marriage, waiting um, for um, a partner um, if and when they get married, um, and she said to them, by the gazelles or the does of the field, that you, stir, that you not stir up or awaken love um, until it pleases. And Clive articulated it like that, patience now, passion later. If we wait now, passion later. Um, and it's that idea of uncompromised purity now, waiting and that unquenchable passion to come. When you then in, enter into all that that is, when you're then finally brought together um, with your spouse, husband, and wife, um, it's that patience now and that passion um, later. It even harks back to the apples at the beginning. As an apple tree um, among the trees of the forest, if you've ever... Um, I was going to say had an apple tree, but living in London, you probably never had an apple tree. Um, but if you've ever been around an apple tree, you'll know um, that actually apples, um, they take time, like all fruit. They take time to ripen. If you take it too early, it's sour, right? It tastes a bit kind of off and well, it was definitely not right. Um, but if you wait too long, then it just kind of begins to rot and it goes all mushy and a bit nasty. Um, but there's a point at which it is just perfect at just right and it's like those apples that she says it's sweet to the taste it's perfectly ripe and this is the point that the bride is coming into where the time is now where she finds those apples they're perfectly sweet and I would just say the invitation to us as the church is the time is now the time is now for us to come um, and taste of all the goodness of the Lord. It says um, in uh, Psalms 34, uh, verse 8, let me just read it quickly, it won't come up. It says, O taste and see that the Lord is good. 
Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. There you have it, echoed, echoed from Song of Songs 2. Um, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. The time is now. The fruit is ripe. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Blessed is the man who's hidden away. Blessed is the man who's so lovesick with Christ. Blessed is the man who's drawn into this intimate place with him, who takes refuge, who is hidden um, in him, who is found in that warmth of embrace. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in it. And that's, that's, that's the invitation for us today, to be drawn into that warmth of embrace, to be drawn into... Um, that proximity of relationship. And just like Jackie shared in that picture, it doesn't matter. Perhaps there's things that are still a little bit sore. Perhaps you've, you've undergone open heart surgery, but you're still a little bit sore. And things are still a little bit, I, I don't know if I can go again. I don't know if I can trust God with this. I don't know if, if he really cares about my job. I don't really know if he cares about my family. Or did, if he really knew about this, then surely X, Y, Z. Right? We can have all of those things that start to play out in our mind. But God's call to us today is, is to just be transfixed with him, to fix our gaze on him. And actually, as we do that, we're brought into this intimate place, this warmth of embrace, where actually all of those other things just begin to fade into the background. And where they feel like they're shouting at us, they just become quiet voices that just drift away as we are increasingly captivated, as we're increasingly drawn into the intimate place with him, as we increasingly enter into his rest. You see, the invitation this morning is for us, wherever we are on our journey, to go deeper with him. So we did a sermon series back in January, um, tail end of December, January, um, called Removing the Rocks. And we began to look at some of the things in our lives that can, that can block, that can hinder, that can inhibit um, the flow of God's spirit through us. That can inhibit, if you like, that relationship with him. And I know we've done a sermon series on it. Um, but the reality is those things are daily battles. They're often daily struggles. It would be great to do a sermon series, five or six weeks, job done, let's move on. Life doesn't work like that. Every day we have to think to ourselves, okay, Lord, I, 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 I give myself to you afresh. Captivate my gaze. Fill my vision. Be the one that I'm consumed with. I want to gaze on you and nothing else. And as I trust you, as I step in line with you, um, then I trust that you will take me, that you will lead me, that you will sustain me, that you will refresh me, that you will embrace me um, like this bride. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe that's not you. Maybe you're here and you're not a believer. You wouldn't say that you've put your trust in Jesus. You wouldn't say that you're a disciple. You wouldn't say um, that you've had that moment of intimacy where you've seen Jesus and it, you've just been completely undone. Maybe that's not you today. Um, but I would say this, God is inviting you. God is calling you to step out of wherever you are and step into his presence, step into his light, recognizing that just like the bride, she brings nothing to the table. 
she, she, she just turns up. <laughs> he takes her away. He takes her into the banqueting house. Um, and perhaps that's you. Perhaps there's something in your heart that God's just tugging and inviting you to come away with him. The responsibility on you is just to receive that invitation. It's interesting because it's, it's an invitation to enter his rest, but there's no actual question asked. Usually if you send an invite, it's a request. Would you like to come for dinner? But there's no, there's no request made here. It's just suggestion, being drawn, being drawn by his beauty, being drawn um, by the security, being drawn by his warmth, being drawn by his love into those intimate places. And if you've never known the love of, of God before today, you can know that today. You can know the warmth of his embrace. You see, through his death on the cross, he dealt with all the shame. He dealt with all your wrongdoing. He dealt with all your sin, your rebellion. In fact, the Bible says he put it to open shame. He despised it at the cross. And he raised us to new life in him. We'll look elsewhere in the Song of Songs about how the bridegroom beautifies the bride. Um, and how she's made beautiful by him. And we'll look at that as a theme throughout the book. Um, but I want you to know that actually where you come with nothing, God gives everything. Where we as the bride come with nothing, the bridegroom gives everything. He laid down his life so that we could be drawn into that intimacy um, with him. And I just want to turn to Luke 14. And we'll end, we'll end here. If you've got a Bible, Luke 14, um, we're going to jump in at verse 16. So Jesus, um, Jesus is amongst uh, some friends, um, and then he's, he's at a um, banquet. Um, and they say to him, uh, they, they basically have a little bit of dialogue, and then Jesus tells them this parable. Parable is just a story that has a point, Right? Um, so here, uh, Jesus tells them this story, um, and it's to make a really, really clear, explicit point. And it's essentially an invitation. So let's read. Um, we'll jump in at verse 16. Um, but he said to him, so he just said something to him. But he said to him, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, uh, I have bought a field and I must go out and see it. Uh, please have me excused. And another said, mm, I've, I've bought five yoke of oxygen and I have to go and examine them. Um, please have me excused. And another said, uh, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you commanded has been done and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. Go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in, that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. And the invitation is there for us this morning. It's an invitation to the banquet. It's an invitation to intimacy. 
Now, you might think you're one of the people that were initially invited, absolutely. Um, You might think that perhaps you're one of the poor, the crippled, the lame um, that get brought in. Wherever you are on that spectrum, just like the master, God is wanting that intimacy. He's wanting to draw you into that relationship. I guess the question really is, are you going to make an excuse are you going to walk away from that invitation? Are you going to say, Lord, I, do you know what? I've, uh, I've got enough now, thanks. I'm okay. Uh, or I'm kind of distracted with something else. Or I'm busy with this. Um, or perhaps, yes, but I've, my career kind of comes first. Or, or yes, but God, you, you, you promised me that I would do this and it hasn't happened. Or all of those other things that begin to distract. And we can begin to make excuses. But naturally, all God wants is just to draw our attention, to draw our gaze, to draw us into that intimacy, that banquet um, with him. Or perhaps uh, you haven't put your trust in Jesus and you feel like one of the poor, one of the lame, um, one of those that weren't initially invited. And God is inviting you this morning. God is inviting you to come in your brokenness. He's coming. He's not requiring anything of you. He doesn't, the servant doesn't say to them, hey, listen, get cleaned up and then, you know, we're going to have some dinner. Um, he doesn't say, well, if you just smarten up, then maybe you can get in. Or if you, um, maybe if your leg wasn't broken, then perhaps you could. You know, he doesn't say that at all. He says, no, 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 no. Come as you are. Come into the warmth embrace. Come into my banquet. Come and share fellowship with me. And I'd love us, I'd love us just to respond. I'd love us just to respond. If that's you... Um, and you want to respond to that invitation. Perhaps you know uh, you've been making excuses. Um, either excuses to engage fully in church. Excuses to engage fully with God. Perhaps you've been making excuses that are kind of uh, have looked godly on the outside. And they might be noble and good excuses. Um, surely all of those were seemingly good excuses. Um, but perhaps you're just trying to sidestep. And dodge what God's doing. Because he wants your heart. He loves you so much. He wants your heart. He doesn't want excuses. He wants to draw you into intimacy with him. And if you will let him, he will take you deeper. If you will let him, he will carry you. He will embrace you. He will sustain you. He will refresh you. That's a promise. That's a promise from Scripture. That's something you can stand on. That's something you can take to the bank and cash it and say, God, you said this. You said you would sustain me. You said you would keep me. You said you would provide. I'm coming to you. I'm coming into your presence. I'm coming into that greater, deeper intimacy with you. I'm coming into that banquet. If that's you, um, I'd love you just to stand where you are. And I'm going to pray. The band are going to come up.